selling records are denominated or valued at lower of cost or market. So you want to think about it that way. If something costs you, and I'm going to use round numbers, $100, you listed it for $300, but now the market is only $90, you could consider maybe writing it off at market. But the problem is, is if there's a lot of judgment involved and, you know, these adjusting inventory values can get kind of, um, you can expose yourself to question that you'd have to substantiate. So my professional opinion is leaving the value at cost is probably the wisest thing. So that would be a hundred unless you have a really good reason and support documentation for a lower value that you're writing off. But you're correct. In that case, you certainly can't write off $300, the fantasy price or whatever it was when you, when you purchased it. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Steven Peterson. Hey, just wanted to mention two sponsors today, Solutions for E-Commerce and Seller Labs Scope. First up, Solutions for E-Commerce. So it's solutions, the number four, e-commerce.com. That's Karen Locker's group where she manages Amazon accounts for brands and, and smaller sellers like ourselves. Uh, we've been with her, I think it's coming on two years now and been thrilled because uh, she helps us with creating listings, reconciling shipments. That's one they're working on right now, um, making sure handling uh, refunds and things like that, and and making sure that we're we get the money that's due us. That more than pays for my service, and you can save fifty dollars by using the code Momentum. So solutions for ecommerce.com forward slash momentum use the code momentum you're going to save fifty dollars a month and she's going to do that inventory health report so new year you really need to get your account in order second up is uh, seller labs um, scope you know i talk a lot about it because i'm a user period that's that's what makes it so worthwhile um, for me um, is that we use it for all of our you know private label but even for our wholesale business, and we do more bundling and stuff like that than, than, than private label. And so it allows us, though, to really take advantage of those keywords and really get them figured out because you have to zone in on the keywords. And so, again, you can use it for your private label business, for your wholesale business, even if you want to improve a retail art business. Sometimes you can get in there and add some keywords, and if you can, put the right keywords in. Put the ones in there for the uh, number one, number two, number three, sellers. That's the best part, right? So um, go to sellerlabs.com forward slash scope and use the code momentum and save $50, okay? Save the money, um, try some keywords and see if you see an improvement in sales. And once you see an improvement in sales, you say, hmm, let me try this on other um, other uh, ASINs that I'm selling. And all of a sudden you start to build a pattern. You see the improvement, then you understand the value of doing it. And more importantly, you're teaching yourself, you're learning what to look for. And I think that's one of the best parts about Scope. It just helps make you a smarter seller. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 369, Anna Hill. Yes, it's our annual discussion, our nerd speak, where we talk accounting. What what excites me about these episodes with Anna is, A, she's so smart, she's so knowledgeable, but she's also a uh, seller. And so that's what you want, somebody who actually understands the business. And so her advice just really helps, um, um, and she even says that she sells fabric. Um, so I think that's a good example of something that's complicated cost of goods, right? You know, think about how much, you know, 
bolts cost, right? I actually know that term, right? Think about all the different pricing models and how many different versions and stuff. Well, that's a lot of moving pieces. And so she's worked her way through that herself and then therefore can offer advice on how to do it for yourself. Um, in this episode, we always do a closeout 2000 or the year before. In this case, it was 2018. And, and I think we touch on some pretty important subjects um, and one that's really special to me is planning. Um, so you can start out 2019 really strong. I think that that is what you can do. You can get redemption right now by putting a plan in for 2019, even if it's only four or five lines. Revenue, cost of goods, uh, salaries and benefits, um, and other costs. Even if you get that far and then profit, you have made a huge improvement in your business, and this is just so easy to do. And I think um, I think the course that she's offering for QuickBooks is probably the biggest opportunity. If you've been looking for a way to get control of your business, um, nine steps, nine modules. There's a million different videos. How to, It's how to, like she said, she even tells you how to turn on the computer, right? That is where you want to go. If you're going that direction, um, you want to get control, this is the year to do it. And, man, I hope you do it. Um, I just want to see some success for everyone this year. Let's get into the podcast. And welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest. She's a repeat guest, and it's kind of become our thing. We do an annual uh, kind of close out the year, and what a challenging year it was, and start out the new year and let me just say this, it'll be a challenging new year. <laughs> and we're going to talk about how to do it right, how to get your books in order, how to start the new year, maybe a little budget talk, a little sexy budget talk with Anna Hill. Welcome back, Anna. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And yes, this has become sort of our annual event, and I always look forward to it. So thanks it, for having me. It's funny that we talk about it, but we, it is sexy to talk about a budget, or it is uh, cool to have good looking books. I mean, it, and it sounds such a nerd speak, but it's true because your business, I mean, you know how your business is doing right up through November, right? Yes. Okay. I'm not quite as good. I'm close. <laughs> I'm close. Um, but I will file on time this year. I did not file on time last year. I mean, we've got an extension, but I will file on time this year. That is my goal. Because, that's a great goal. And we'll feel so good that that's behind you. Yeah. Because it, it does take that you know, because it weighs on me, that stuff just sits, it sits in my head. I don't know how you are, but that stuff sits on me. And so to be able to have that out, and then you're really executing the plan. Now, I do have a 2019 budget in place. Um, and like you, we use QuickBooks, um, which we're going to talk about. But that's very exciting, too. Having that budget kind of gets me ready, but getting rid of the past really allows that. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's, it's like you... Uh compete with yourself when you have a budget. At least that's how I feel. It kind of turns on that competition within me and it makes it fun. All right. Well, let's start with talking about closing out uh, 2018. I said it was a challenging year. Was that fair? I mean, it, yeah, you have a lot of clients. I mean, would you say that's across the board? I think that is fair. Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think there, there have been so many changes outside of our control. Um, and the Here's a hint for 2019. They're going to continue. <laughs> they're not going to get, and they're going to happen probably more frequent. And I think that's, that's the hard part. And if you don't have a solid plan, I don't think you can adapt as quickly. You agree? I agree. And, you know, people say this isn't fair. They're charging more for this or they're, they're doing that. And I agree it's not fair, but it's also, unfortunately, the nature of working for ourselves. Unfair things happen. Well, and, 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 you know, if I guess if you sit back and you look at e-commerce, 
it's fair because we're all equally getting treated that way, generally, generally, right. and not everybody. But, you know, like I think of the postal increase that's coming up in, in a few weeks in January, pretty significant. And one of the, I think one of the fundamental changes they're making is they're taking a, U, uh, uh, a first class package and they're going to zone it. It's just as cheap today to send a, you know, 15 ounce package from my little town in Carlisle, Pennsylvania to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, as it is for me to send it to Hawaii. Now, how does that make sense financially, right? It doesn't. I agree. So they have to put a structure in place to fix that, right? And they're saying, hey, wait. Now, ideally, I'd like to see the rate from here to Harrisburg go way down, right? You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not certain that's going to happen. No, it won't. <laughs> but it does make sense that it goes up for Hawaii. And the challenge is those of us who built our business, I'm just picking on eBay right now. Um, but those of us who built our business on free shipping or uh, or not putting in zone, not setting them up correctly, if you're old and you have old eBay listings, which I do, a couple thousand, um, you know, we were doing what was right at the time. Well, it's evolved. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the more challenging parts is how do you go back and fix that piece of your business? And I'm only talking shipping, but it's not just shipping. It's the uh, HTML language that got changed. Or Amazon used to allow HTML, now they don't. Or you used a third party, and then they haven't updated their interface. And every one of these are real examples of, this is what I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think if you don't have the cost or the ability to financially make those changes in your business, then your business is nowhere near as profitable as you think it is. I, I totally agree. It's almost like you have to have a mental financial slush fund for surprises that will pop up. And if you don't have that, then maybe it's not as strong or maybe you need to change and have some business savings. And I know people don't usually think of savings in a business, but it's important because of these unfund surprises. Yeah, it's, um, you, you know, you think about, like you worked in corporate America, you think about those companies and, you know, we downplay the value of those small administrative positions, right? You know, it was my full-time job was removing them any place I could. I can go yeah. into a company and squeeze. I was an expert at it. That's why they moved me up so many times because I can go into a company and say, dun, 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 dun. Okay. 70% of the staff is gone. We can do it through technology. I mean, it's awful to think about, but it's true. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what, that was my skill set. Here, we sit there and say, hey, we can do it ourselves. Anna, you're a one-person operation, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And you're only focusing on the fun parts of the, business, of the stuff you like. That other stuff gets missed. And yeah. over time, it builds up. So I just think that this is one of those things that if you set yourself up, and I, I like what you s- described, a little bit of a, a slush fund, a little bit of a what if in your budget. And that's painful, though, because that's inventory I can't buy, Anna. It, it is painful. And, you know, it's kind of the risk reward thing. You can risk not having it. And if nothing pops up, then you made a good choice and you can have it and be glad you did if something does pop up. And I'm not talking a lot, but, you know, maybe like a month of operating expenses or mm. two weeks worth in case something happens. You want to make sure that you can pay necessary bills. And, you know, you can also say, well, I personally may need to fund it and kind of plan for that, too. Thinking of yourself and your business as two entities. And so on your balance sheet, what would you call that? Um, you know, you literally could just have a savings account and put some whatever okay. dollar amount in that. And, you know, you could call it reserve or just savings account, you know, keeping it really simple. 
And it's kind of one of those, uh, my, my older son uses a thing called you need a budget. And it was, uh, it was kind of that, that concept. Thing. Yeah. It was kind of the concept of accounting for every dime that you get now, not judging each dime, but when you're accountable, when you see it all, right, every single dime, you start to realize, Whoa, I spent that much money in Starbucks coffee. <laughs> at $5 a day, yes, it could add up. But it, it's just one of those things where there's no judgment other than just knowing what you know. And so he would, he would, you know, be like, oh, we got to replace our hot water heater. No big deal. We had all that budgeted. Mm -hmm. And so his bank account might show, you know, $7,378, but every dime is spoken for. Mm -hmm. You know, I just love that. And so we could do that in business. I think it's very healthy. We have one for, um, so we self-finance, right? We don't borrow money. So for us, it's a self-financing fund where we right. can put that money aside. And then when we need to make a purchase, we can just pull it out and make that purchase. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's talk about closing out year end. Um, I think most people by now, if you've been in this world for a while, have been doing quarterly financials, uh, paying your quarterly taxes, I hope. So there's no big tax surprise coming other than the value of Q4 being so large, you probably have a, a large amount. What are the things that you recommend um, that people need to start thinking about this week? Because this is going to come out real close to year end. I mean, this is just about. And so if you're a newer seller or if you're a more seasoned seller, things that you say are the places to start to close out 2018? Oh, I love this question. I think the number one thing to consider is inventory. Mm -hmm. um, it's really important to value your unsold inventory at year end. That means both inventory at Amazon, if you're an Amazon seller, and also inventory at your home or your warehouse. Make sure, first of all, that all of that is sellable or saleable. Um, you know, if you have something Valentine's Day 2018, it's probably a good year, a mm. good idea to get rid of something like that because you want to make sure the value that you have of unsold inventory at December 31st is all actually legitimate saleable inventory. You know, nothing damaged or you can no longer sell it because the brand is restricted, dated 2018, those types of things. You want to remove those from your inventory. Well, let me qualify. I'm, uh, I do have an accounting degree. I am not a CPA, so I want to make sure I'm clear on that. Um, so my advice is just my experience, not, not giving advice. But one of the things you can do is take and get rid of that stale inventory. So now when you write it off, right, you write it down, you donate it, you do whatever. It's right. going to adjust your cost of goods. Now you cannot write it off. I, I've seen some people say, hey, I'm selling this for 40 bucks. That means I get to write off 40 bucks. No, you get to write off the value of your cost. However, if you're doing it at a loss, you can account for that. Am I correct when I say that? Well, Yes and no. And I want to be really careful here because as you and I both know, neither of us are professionals that are engaged to help anyone listening. So run this by your tax professional. But Please. accounting records are denominated or valued at lower of cost or market. So you want to think about it that way. If something costs you, and I'm going to use round numbers, $100, you listed it for 300 but now the market is only 90 You could consider maybe writing it off at market. But the problem is, is if there's a lot of judgment involved and, you know, these adjusting inventory values can get kind of, um, you can expose yourself to question that you'd have to substantiate. So my professional opinion is leaving the value at cost is probably the wisest thing. So that would be a hundred unless you have a really good reason and support documentation for a lower value that you're writing off. But you're correct. In that case, you certainly can't write off $300. The 
fantasy price or whatever it was when you when you purchased it. And so by doing that, you're basically getting your inventory level accurate because of sellable merchandise, right? right? The rest of it gets off. You don't benefit, but you don't lose in theory, right? You never got the benefit of selling it. There might have been carrying costs if you financed it terribly. That would be awful. But but you get it off your books. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no revenue and virtually no expense. In essence, they go away if you do it at cost. Exactly. Um, now, you can also take, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong, you can also take and donate that um, for... I think that's market value, correct? And you need a receipt, um, and most charities will give you a receipt. Am I correct when I say that? Yes. But, but it's cost or market. I mean, it's lower. It's the lower, right? Right. And also what you cannot do, and I know that you know this, but just to clarify, because this question comes up a lot, what you can't do is you can't write the value. Let's say you paid $100, and you write that off as cost of goods sold. Well, you cannot donate it to charity and then turn around and take an additional $100 deduction on the tax return because right. that's double dipping. So it's kind of either or. Now, what you can do is you can write it off and donate it to charity. You've taken the $100 as part of your cost of goods sold on your books, and then you donate it to charity, but you just cannot take that additional $100 a second time around. And so in essence, you really don't benefit other than you don't get charged for it. So there is the benefit, right? Is that kind of the and- way? Right. Exactly. And your heart feels good. And, you know, people always say, I need to hurry up and donate these things. Well, not necessarily. If you write it off as of December 31st, then you can certainly go January 1st and donate it because you don't get any additional benefit on your books from having done that before year end. Right, right. And that, and that's smart for people to understand. One of the other ones that I think um, for year end that people are doing right now is they're looking at the old, was it one one section, uh, was it 179? Oh my God. I'm, I'm, yes, the, the depreciation. Uh, what's it called? Section one section one seventy nine, and that's that number has moved. Last mm-hmm. year it was uh, in two thousand eighteen. It's pretty high, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so this is a place where I've seen some people talking about buying a vehicle, and there are different limitations. So again, Steve's not giving you advice, but there are different limitations. You do need to talk to your tax professional. Um, yes. However, you know the negative of buying a vehicle is you do get to write off you know the cost and stuff like that, but you do lose the ability um, to do certain deductions. Now, taking the 179, you can write the whole value off up to a certain dollar amount, correct? That is correct. That means then you don't get to depreciate it over time if you've already written it off. Exactly. And there are also restrictions about the use of the vehicle. You can't do that and say it's for your business and then, you know, run your kids around and go on vacation and only use it for personal use. And I know people know that, but the rules are really clear, and it's always good to get um, advice and guidance because some vehicles actually have mixed-use, business and personal. So you just need to be a little bit careful about that. And in today's social media world, if they <laughs> choose to enforce it and they see you, uh, you know, I was in New York last week, they see you in New York with it, uh, you know, <laughs> sipping champagne uh, on <laughs> Times Square, that might not be a good, uh, that might be a a way that could be used against you. So be cautious about those things, yeah. right? It's smart. You don't think about it. It's true, though. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think a Ferrari is an excellent sourcing vehicle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could fit that pair of shoes in the front seat. Yeah, one, at least one. So when when we think about other preparation things to close out, you know, cost of goods is the scariest one, right? I mean, most of it, like I'm, I'm one of these nerds who still uses a legal pad to track my mileage and everybody looks at me and they laugh at me. There's apps for that. There's, I'm, I'm, I have legal pads everywhere because that's what I grew up with, right? But those kind of things are relatively easy to close out, you know, do your calculations, that kind of thing. But cost of goods, I think is the hardest and probably the most 
difficult to really understand for people. Would you say that? I agree. And, you know, people gripe and complain, and I really do get it and empathize. It is a hassle. But also remember, this is an inventory-based business. So this is part of the deal of doing this business. And I think what's so difficult for people is it's really hard to associate the dollar amount spent with each item of inventory when you have a large volume of inventory or you're sourcing at thrift stores and yard sales. So you just have to have a system. And it's interesting to me that you say legal pad, because if that's what works, then do it. We all have to, you know, some people want really complicated, complex barcode scanners and software. Other people literally just write it down. So I encourage each of you to not do what someone else is doing, do what's best for you, but do have an organized system. Well, it's defensible, right? I mean, if I show, I mean, my, my legitimate legal pad and you can see the ink change every time and you could see this coffee, <laughs> coffee stains stain. on it. Yeah, there's always something. But that's reasonable. That would be a reasonable deduct. And I'm always about reasonable because that's, I mean, yeah. anytime you've ever dealt with the IRS, I mean, everybody's gets scared. But generally speaking, they're reasonable because you could show this is how we done it because you're way ahead of most people just because you tracked it. And to me, exactly. that's fair. Uh, the standard my, is consistent, diligent effort. That's their standard. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's a merch shirt, somebody. Consistent, oh, diligent yes. effort. There you go. Oh. Make the shirt, send me a link, and I'll buy it. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, other things that we need to be thinking. Oh, and I, I'm blowing over cost of goods because Anna does such an amazing job explaining how to really do it with real examples, real examples in Accounting We Will Go group. And um, that's Anna's group. It's a free group to join. She just wants to make sure you're real. But in there, there are so many examples of real sellers and e-commerce related um, in that group. That's where you want to go to look to get your arms around it. And that's the safe place to ask a question too. Correct? It is a safe place. I do not mock. We support even repeat questions. We have a big pin post at the top that are the top 10 questions people ask all the time. So please join. It is free. And um, you know, it's a great place to lurk. And then when you do have questions of the moment, you know, ask or ask for air quote, a friend. Well, it, it, to be fair, and this isn't meant as a criticism, the best questions don't come from you and Allison generally, oh. right? They come from other people and you're like, Ooh, I had not thought about that, but that's a great point. Correct. Absolutely. And you know, if, if a person has a question, this happens sometimes and they're embarrassed, they can send me a private message and then I won't name them, but I will say, Someone sent me this question via private message, and here's the answer. So that's certainly an option as well, because this is money is personal, and there's an emotional trigger with it, and that's why I like to keep the group really focused on just accounting. As many, there are many other things I would love to talk about, but it's really just about that. So you can get your questions answered in multiple ways. It's terrifying for somebody who has not filed taxes and all of a sudden they get that 1099, right? They haven't done it for years and then they're like, oh my God, I've hit a threshold, um, which I think is 200 sales and $20,000, I think is the two metrics, mm -hmm. right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. And remember, you have to file anyway, even if you do not get the 1099, as you know, but that's a popular misconception. So I just wanted to- Wait, if I don't get a 1099, I don't have to file Anna. What? <laughs> huh? No, no, no. It's just like sales tax, right? If you don't pay sales tax for something that you legitimately should have, uh, right, right? That's not used in manufacturing, blah, 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 depending on your state. Uh, I don't have to pay it. Well, yes, you do. You have it. It's called <laughs> use tax. That's why they ask it. Did you use anything, right? 
Um, in today's day and age with state tax, sales tax stuff, that's, that's complicated too. And I don't want to get into that because um, there's so many changes. Even this week I saw more change. I mean, it's crazy to try and keep up with that. Agree. Mm. All right, so let's stay on the easier stuff. Um, okay, so other things that we really need to be thinking about closing out 2018. What else would you say? Well, I think for those that unfortunately haven't taken the time to separate business and personal Ooh. bank accounts, this happens all the time. I wish people wouldn't do this. They make it harder on themselves. But two things. Number one, before year end, please open a separate business account. Please. It doesn't necessarily have to be designated business by your bank. Just open a separate account. Obviously, you want to run that by your tax professional, but you are going to save yourself so many headaches if you have a separate business and personal account. So that's I, a big one. That's a big one. I have a good story about that. My son, okay. my younger son, who's in our working with us in our business, he's still in college, but he's into a, a band. Um, he's their manager. And I'm like, oh, God. And he's like, they, but they sell some equipment here and there or whatever, and they get a little bit of money. And it was run through PayPal. And he's like, Dad, they gave me a PayPal account so that way we can keep track. of So everything, so it's a PayPal debit card, uh -huh. which I like, right? Yeah. So he's not borrowing money. There's no financial risk there. But all expenses then get tracked through there and all revenues get tracked. I'm like, dude, that's, that's a business right there. That's a model because you're going to see revenues and expenses all given through a free PayPal account. Now, PayPal wins because they get to hold the money and not pay any interest on You know, that's cool for them. Mm-hmm. But what a cool, on the other side of a small, you know, young guy starting out in business, not really understanding it. To me, that is a simple, simple model um, that you can do is run it through PayPal or run it through, I guess Amazon has something similar. And you can do that and put all your expenses and all your revenues in there, right? Simple. I totally agree. It's very simple. And I'm such a fan of keeping things simple. Simple doesn't mean not sufficient. Simple means what is the best way to handle the tracking of these transactions that don't drive me insane? It's one of the, my rule of thumb is if I'm going to use it to make decisions, we should do it. If it's not going to help me make any better decisions, it's a waste of time. It's neat. Be cool to say, wow, you know, Anna, I've got 28 revenue models uh, built uh -huh. into my business, you know, and you'd be impressed, right? You know, uh, oh, of course. no, <laughs> no, you'd be like, dude, you got problems, man. What, what are you <laughs> going to do with that? Right. Cause we all know that 80% of your results come from 20% of your business. So uh, yes. that's the place you should focus, not the rest of that nonsense, just to be able to say, well, I took in $2 in AdSense revenue this month. You know, isn't that pretty impressive? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you can get caught up in it because you see others, yeah. um, you know, uh, there's a, a gentleman out there who has a, uh, he calls them a rented CFO, but it, it's a service. You can, you can hire these. That's what they do. That's what, but that level of business requires that. If you're, uh, you know, uh, uh, a five or $10,000 a month, uh, Amazon or yeah, even, even, uh, better an Etsy seller, mm -hmm. you don't require that kind of stuff. It's not going to help you make any decisions. No, it's not there. In fact, there's one, ratio that I encourage everyone to always be aware of. And if you just start with only this one, then you're in really good shape. And this doesn't really apply to you because you self-finance. But those of you who have chosen to use credit or debt, hopefully responsibly, because it's a slippery slope. But if you have, it's really, really important to always keep an eye on the value of your unsold inventory as it compares to debt. Ooh. Always know that relationship. I love that. Well, what's a, what's a good rule of thumb? This is value right here. Now, this is not your opinion. Well, this is your opinion about your business. <laughs> How about we say it that way? <laughs> 
You know, actually, that's a really interesting question. I did a lot of research on it, and I didn't really find anything good, except what I found out was in retail, brick and mortar, 30% is the golden golden rule. So that means if you have uh, $10,000 worth of inventory and you have a brick and mortar store, you never wanted to have debt of more than $3,000 to acquire the inventory. And it kind of had to do with the three-month cycle of inventory turn for retail oh, stores, okay. which I thought was really interesting. So I'm a nerd here, but I hear you like, oh, I love it too. Oh, so- I do love it because we don't think about inventory turns. It's It, it becomes a buzzword every so often. But, mm-hmm. you know, now, you know, and, and let's face it, Amazon with their storage fees and all the goofy stuff that they do is designed for that. They're saying, hey, wait a second, Steve, we're not your warehouse, right? There's five in my town, but not for Steve to keep his stuff there. It's convenient. (laughs) They're like, no, we are a fulfillment service. We are here to get your inventory in and hopefully the same day. It never even makes it to the shelves. It just turns away and gets right out. And so if you have inventory that lasts longer than three months, um, and and I'm guilty of it because I've got a warehouse full of inventory that lasted longer than three months, Anna. That's (laughs) me self-admitting it. But it's stuff that I bought because, oh my God, I got it so cheap. That doesn't right. mean it's profitable. It just means mm-hmm. it sits on my shelf and collects dust. <laughs> but it, it's the truth. Um, if you're running a real e-commerce business with debt, you can't afford to keep it longer than three months. Because, I mean, yeah. what's a, what's a uh, I, I think here's another place that people get in trouble. They don't understand that business debt rates are always going to be higher than yeah. personal rates. And that doesn't make sense. They don't understand LIBOR. They don't understand, you know, um, those those financing. We used to use a, a formula that if it was better than twelve uh, percent, because mm-hmm. we could we could float bonds and, and get twelve percent. You those math that math doesn't work anymore, does it? No, it does not. It certainly doesn't. And I think again, keeping things simple is best. And what I always tell people when their eyes start to roll back in their head and they think about this, if they think about a home and a mortgage, think about your business a little bit that way. Your home is like the inventory and the mortgage is the debt. So you never, ever, ever, of course, want to owe more on your home than you do on the home value. And the exact same principle applies. You certainly never want to do that in your business. And some people would prefer to have their home paid off or as low mortgage as possible and apply those same principles to the business. And think about it. If I feel comfortable having responsible debt, what percent of inventory value do I feel comfortable with? Because... We don't want to live in a negative, you know, environment, but we simply don't know when things are going to happen. And so it's really, really important to keep an eye on those two numbers. And that's the one takeaway. I would encourage everyone to please make sure if you don't have a way to value unsold inventory regularly, this is exactly why you want to do it. That's your risk. How much are you exposing if something should happen? And you've got to be honest about your inventory. Is it sellable inventory? So kind of that example we were talking about earlier, you've got to get the junk off the book. It's not going to sell, right? Your $100 item example, if Mm -hmm. it's now, if the market's $30, you got to get that off or write the value of it down because then, and you can sit there and, well, my, my percentage of debt versus my inventory... But that's not sellable inventory. We all know we got that stuff that's not going to sell. So you got to take that out. Again, it's like the house. Everyone thinks their house is worth more than it is. Well, you know, and then you talk to the realtor when you want to sell it. Oh, sorry. It's actually worth blah, blah, blah. You have to be very realistic. Even be conservative about it just so that you're you're really safe and careful. Because I don't want anyone to start a business and then end up tricking themselves into thinking that they have something that's worth more than it isn't. You know what? It's just like the scale. 
you got to get on the scale and wait. You got to go there, didn't you? Yeah, I know. But, you know, you can't manage what you don't measure. And I know that's kind of an overused expression, but it really is true. And while there is some joy in not knowing your numbers or your weight, especially after vacation, that's not a constant permanent state that's safe to live in. It just isn't. It's denial. And uh, I'm guilty of it. Just after eating my way through New York City, I'm in denial. <laughs> well, uh, wait till next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, next year. You know what? The uh, um, the New Year's resolution's coming next week. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, or maybe this week when this comes out and uh, people can start. But again, this is a, I, I think what I get excited about this, and I know you do too, is this is a chance at redemption for anybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care how messed up your business is. This is a chance at, re- chance at redemption. This is your chance to say, put a line in the sand and say, I'm not going to do it again, right? I'm not going to eat uh, four pounds of Twizzlers, Andy Slam, and stop bringing them to the warehouse. I'm not eating them, darn it. And I haven't. I haven't. I've lived through that. But it's, it's a line in the sand, and you've got to do that with your business, too. You've got to sit back and say, okay, I didn't do a good job. Okay. Make the next right decision, then make the next right decision, and you make the next right decision. All of a sudden, you have a pattern, right? You know, this yeah. week, uh, there's some news about the stock market really taking a dive. And I think of there and Bitcoin, two good examples, where people scarily pulled money out of their house or their big equity or their inventory against their business and invested in these hot things. Yes. Well, both are good examples, and the stock market, you know, is real, this year looks like every every industry. I, I think I read that if you kept your money in cash, you would have gotten one. That was the best return if you kept your money in cash oh, or money market. Oh, wow. That's pretty sad, right? But but if if you don't build that risk into your model, you're asking for trouble. I agree. I totally hmm. agree. Hmm. Okay. So anything else to close out 2018 that you think are real pain points and pinch points that people need to be looking at? You know, I think if people can start with those items, everything else kind of follows behind that. Okay. Yeah. And I think like payroll and stuff like that, that that's where we use an outside service to do ours. And it's just, they give you the journal entries. Um, yeah. And if you use, and we're going to talk about QuickBooks in a minute, but QuickBooks, you know, our accountant has access to it and they go in and make any correcting entries or adjustments and stuff like that. And so that's a very smart, very powerful tool um, to, to use. So let's jump to 2019 planning. So me, Mr. Nerd, um, creates my plan in Excel <laughs> because that's how I know how to do it because that's the way I've always done it. I create this uh, masterful Excel planning worksheet, do 12-month allocations for some things or 52-week allocations, and then percentages for cost of goods. If you know your cost of goods cost is 33%, you could reasonably bring that forward, right? This isn't complicated modeling, but that's how you can kind of see. And so if you operate it at a loss and you change nothing, you're likely to operate at a loss, right? Oh, and exactly. So by doing a plan, and literally now we break it down by, because we sell in so many different places, each one individually. Mm-hmm. And um, it is nerdy, but I really, really love it uh, when it's seen and you can kind of know how you're going to do. do. Do your outlier clients, the successful ones, really put in that effort and time, would you say? You know, it's it's interesting. I have um, probably a smaller percentage that do not. I think that there's just a little bit of luck involved and then one or two who have a niche that they just excel in. But in general, it does take that kind of planning. And I think it takes a positive money mindset. And I like to talk about this, especially this time of year. And you already touched on it. For those who haven't done the things that they know that they should have or things didn't work out, that happens to everyone. There's not a single person 
in this entire universe who hasn't made money mistakes that in retrospect they wish that they hadn't done. So forgive yourself for that. Move on. And yes, do some planning. And if you don't know where to start, start picking targets. Say, okay, I've heard a third is a rule of thumb. So I'm going to say 30% cost of goods sold. Just get some stuff down on paper and you can adjust it. This isn't, you know, to live and die by. This is just information and feedback. Well, what, what that example you just gave is a perfect example. When you measure yourself against that 30%, you now see um, a delta. I always call it a delta. Mm-hmm. The difference, right? And then is that difference makes sense. If you slice that, we used to peel back the onion, right? You slice it a little bit deeper, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you see that the reason your cost of goods is higher, it's because of the category you sell in. You know, you're selling uh, Rolex watches, right? You can't get it below 50%, and you can't get it, the market so tight on the other end, you can't get it a higher than that. Okay, that explains it. Now, you can stay in that category and live with that, sure. but you don't want to unfairly measure yourself against that third and beat yourself up and say, oh, my God, my model's terrible. No, that might be the model that you're with. You just want to narrow then and say, okay, cost of goods to sell Rolex watches are 52% or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, by knowing that, though, to me, that's the power. Because otherwise, you just sit back and, you know, when somebody's like, well, Anna, you know, how are you doing? How's your cost of goods? Mine's 30%. What's yours? Right? And then you're <laughs> like, oh crap. You know, you feel bad, right? Yeah. Well, you and I are the only nerds who would have that conversation, but That's yeah. true. That's true. I, but you know, I want to say something about that. And I always, I love this expression. It's not about profession, per- perfection. It's about resilience and recovery. That's where the growth happens and the resilience and the recovery. It's not about getting the estimates in the budget perfect. It's just a measurement. Yeah. And it's, it's a guess, right? You know, um, I saw somebody posting, they were disappointed they didn't hit a million dollars in sales. However, he also said that a whole bunch of the sales he was trying to get to get to his million were not profitable sales. And I'm thinking, Ooh, now there's the lesson, right? Mm -hmm. There's the lesson right there. There So, so, you know, basic budgeting would be, you know, revenue, expense. Um, and then really where you want to be really, really kind of exact, you want to really break it down is I think you're, you're, um, outside of cost of goods because those are controllable, right? You know, uh, cost of goods is a variable cost, meaning that it, it, it ebbs and flows with your sales, or at least it should in theory. Mm -hmm. Correct. 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 Then you have your fixed expenses. So in our case, we have a little bit of staff family, Mm -hmm. but it's staff. We have a warehouse, we're going to have an electric bill, and we're going to have a heat bill that's going to be pretty brutal this year because yeah. it's been pretty cold, right? But you start breaking them down. So we get nerdy enough in, in our little business here where we break down all those examples. Um, we do a lot of merchant fulfilling, so buying boxes. This Q4, mm-hmm. I bought more boxes. I literally, there's a company called Associated Bags, which is similar to Uline but a little bit smaller. I bought every single box for a certain size from their location. They, they were like, Steve, what are you doing? I'm like, can you restock? She goes, not until January because I, uh, we bought everything because it was such a weird year for uh, Merchant Fulfilling. But it's just an example that I paid a premium for those because I wasn't smart enough to buy them in advance at a better price. Mm-hmm. But there's the opportunity, right? Right. I can kind of predict that's going to happen again next year. So therein is a place I can squeeze a little more margin out of our business versus 2018, and I can plan for it. So that mm-hmm. to me, that, that's where I get so excited about this stuff. It's like, oh, I can't wait till that happens. I'm going to win this time. <laughs> it does. It really does instill a sense of competition against ourselves that makes it a lot of fun. And it's so rewarding when we meet those goals. And then again, when we don't meet them, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I really get it next time? 
So, so we're going to talk about uh, a QuickBooks in a moment, but I want to make sure people are clear that when you're starting out in this business, you do not have to get this complicated. As, as Anna mentioned, simple is better, right? Mm -hmm. Just a checkbook with a, an Excel spreadsheet showing a profit and loss is, is something you could bring your uh, tax professional that would be better than half the people that give them. You know, you got support for everything. It makes sense. It's in these categories. That is very helpful, and that's a great place to start. I but, agree. But when you want to get to that next level, when you want to start really getting to work on your business, as the E-Myth guy says, instead of, you know, instead of in your business, work on it. Um, I think QuickBooks, um, and I know there's FreshBooks and there's a couple other ones, but I'm, I'm a QuickBooks fan myself, been using it forever in some of the businesses we've had. And it allows you to do all the things that we were just talking about, to get a good clean income statement, to get a good clean balance sheet, to put a plan in. We actually put our plan in there. Um, and we even use it for a personal, for our personal um, uh, family what? too. We do. That is fancy. Um, well, it's another, we're listed as our company. It, it, it's true. It's just because yeah. we've been using them for years and I'm so comfortable in it and I can put a budget because we go through this, this is the uh, month my wife and I do our budget for next year for personal, the same thing. And so it's just a great way to apply just to, you want to take vacations, you want to do this. So for me with my podcast, for example, I travel a lot. Well, I have the budget for all these trips. And mm -hmm. so by knowing that, um, I think that's where QuickBooks shines above all and beyond and Wait till you hear this. I even went to QuickBooks online and I got rid of the software off my you desktop. Did? Oh, yes. I'm so happy to hear that. That's true. That was this year and I've been doing it, you know, forever. Um, but now yeah. we actually went online and my God, I can work from here. I can work from across the warehouse. I can work from my home. I can go on my phone. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. So talk to me about why you recommend QuickBooks um, at, Anna has a, a course on QuickBooks, right? Very specific uh, yeah. for e-commerce, though. Um, why, why was QuickBooks the one that you chose versus some of the others? Well, what's interesting is at first I didn't choose it. I tested out several different softwares because there are many options. And over and over and over again, people gave me feedback that they learn QuickBooks more easily. Or I noticed that I wasn't having as many questions or people would actually start to get joy out of doing their books instead of frustration and irritation. And that's like a small miracle, as you know. So it just kind of self-selected as it being the easiest to learn. It has really great import functions for historical data. Um, and I just really like it. They are always updating it, making changes, but you never wake up one day and the whole thing's different. They're just constantly evolving it slowly. And I think it's a really great tool. I think it's easy to use. It's easy to teach and easy to learn. The other thing I think is really, really important is that, you know, your tax professional um, almost probably that's what they use. That's what they're so used to for I don't care what other kind of tax they do. So if they represent plumbers where I have a friend who's a tax guy and he represents dentists, that's one of his things. They're so used to QuickBooks. It gives them the ability to get in and get things done. I think that's that's critical. Like I said, my, our, our, the guy who does our taxes, they literally sign into our system now that it's on. He was thrilled to death, too, now that it's out in the cloud. And he just literally signs in because, and they're not only doing e-commerce stuff. They, they represent, you know, all different kinds of um, uh, uh, companies. That's, right. to me, very important that they understand the system because they have coached me through some different things like, hey, you could do this. Um, it, it, this might help or do it this way, Steve. I think that's great. I, I agree. I love that 
that um, tax professionals can log in. They can even take a peek mid-year. It's always good to do some planning if you're at that point. And just having the ability to be able to share instantly, automatically, instead of emailing the file or saving it in Dropbox and transferring it or sending in actual papers, it's just so much better. It's a better use of time than fiddling around with all that other stuff. Yeah, and I think what you just said is really powerful. To have those mid-year conversations or quarterly conversations, it's only going to enhance your business, right? That's going to rear mm-hmm. ugly. It could. Yes. Or great news. And great news is great if you have to put a lot of tax aside and it's a surprise. That's not great. That's never right. great when he's like, hey, whoa, here's your quarterly deposit. This, whoa, I didn't expect that. I was just, I don't forget who I was just with. And they were like, oh, my God, I got this thing. Um, and it's, it's scary. I mean, it really is scary. I agree. And, you know, I just want to say real quickly, you mentioned having a conversation with your wife about your budget as a, as a family. And, you know, the whole purpose of having a business is to meet your personal financial goals. That's my opinion. I mean, it's great to have a business and there's other reasons, you know, quit your day job, all of these wonderful things. But ultimately, it's so your business can meet your personal financial goals. So if you're not at the point of doing these QuickBooks budgets and all of these other things we've talked about, make sure that you sit down yourself, your significant other, or, you know, have a talk with yourself, as nerdy as that sounds, and make sure you know what you're trying to achieve personally. Because then you have something that suits your why. I'm doing this because... I want to save for vacation. I want to quit my day job. I want to send my kids to college. I want to pay my house off. Those are a lot more fun to reach for than I want a million dollars in sales. Yeah, yeah, because that doesn't really mean anything. I just saw somebody in one of my other groups who just paid off their home. (gasps) I love it. Literally paid off their home. They had planned. They figured out a way to do it, and they did it through reselling. But they are so far ahead in their life now because that – takes away the biggest, you know, fear that in healthcare, I think are the two big fears. Mm -hmm. They got rid of the 80 pound gorilla right off their back. It's gone. Oh my gosh. I just got chills. That is awesome. How powerful. And that's what my comment was. That's so much better than seeing somebody's higher sales figures because that's, 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 Ooh, yeah. I get the chills thinking about it too. Okay. So let's talk about the course. What, what is the course and what isn't your course? Well, the course is really cool. What it does is it allows e-commerce sellers, inventory sellers to go from a pile of receipts to results. And if you're already using QuickBooks or you want to start using QuickBooks, it's a great resource to make sure you're doing things as efficiently as possible. You know, I have clients who I do bookkeeping for. This is the exact same system we use for them. And it works. We know what is the best way to go about doing it the most efficient way to do things, the most painless way to do things. And if you just follow step-by-step in our nine units from beginning to end, you're going to have your books in order. You'll be able to have all of these cool measurements we're talking about. And once it's all caught up, it should just require several hours a month of maintenance, either a couple times a month or a big marathon Friday, whatever you want, to always know your numbers. And that is my goal. Well, that's very powerful. So no matter what, you're still going to have to put some time in, but a couple hours a month or a couple hours twice a month mm-hmm. to keep it up. Because I think that's one of the things that gets away. It's Q4. And I don't have time. I don't have time. But when you break it down into those couple hour increments, mm-hmm. you can manage that time. Because again, as we said, this is important. This is this this is uh, one of the, the best ways to know how your Q4 is going rather than just looking at sales. Is it profitable? If it's not, let's deal with it. 
Sure. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I have noticed that people spend more time stressing and worrying about accounting than if they would just do it. And I wanted to alleviate that stress and make it go away. This is a solution. Yeah, it is. The other thing that's cool is that you fine tune this over how many years with how many clients. To me, you're figuring out best practice, right? You started mm -hmm. this. I'm assuming this is Steve's assumption, um, which, which could get me in trouble. But it's like, hey, this is the way we, we this is the way I did it. You, you um, mm -hmm. or Allison, this is the way you guys did your books. And then right. therefore you brought Steve's on and you said, oh, he's doing it better. Not, and not Steve, me, somebody else. And, and it was like, Oh, okay, let's tweak. And then you change everybody to that model and you just keep fine tuning it over time. I think that's very exciting. Exactly. And I do it from, you know, I have a very small e-commerce business where I sell home textiles from India and I use it for mine. And that's kind of how it grew and started teaching people through my group. And I realized people wanted step-by-step -step spoon fed. They didn't want to go in the group and fish around for all of the parts and pieces. So I have it laid out beginning to end, like literally log on to the QuickBooks website and set up an account to hear your financial statements. This is how you read them and understand them. It's building blocks, foundational. Yes. To me, that's very exciting because when you start with a strong foundation, it's just like life. When you start with a strong foundation, guess what? When you fall and everybody falls or stumbles, you sure. don't fall very far. When you have no foundation and when you fall, it's a long, lonely way down. Oh, it sure is. And it can be painful and have negative consequences, you know, personally and in your business. So I really, really encourage people to have some kind of system. And this is certainly an option for them. Yeah. And, and again, I'm qualifying this. I'm not benefiting. She's not paying me anything to say this. I'm telling you that you could stay simple if that makes sense. You use yeah. my example of my son with his PayPal card. Um, mm -hmm. there's another group scavenger life. I think that's how they do theirs. Um, it's all your expenses and all your revenues come right through that card and mm -hmm. you can do that. Or your example, even better is a checkbook, just a simple separate checking account where all your revenue, all your deposits go in there, your Amazon accounts link there, or your eBay or your Etsy or whatever are linked right. there. So therefore all your revenues going in. And then every time you have an expense, it comes out of that checkbook. That's the basis for a good set of books, right? Revenues yep. and expenses. That's all you need at a minimum. And it kind of mirrors the tax return. Think about the tax return. Are your records enabling you to do that? And if so, then that's certainly an adequate start. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about our own business. We write so few checks, I mean, anymore, because almost everything's done digitally. And right. that's one of the great values of using um, QuickBooks, because I get nerdy enough when I take the account or um, credit card statement. Now, I don't interface my credit card statement. Some people do. Uh, we got a lot of moving pieces, and so I'll give you all the reasons I don't. But we just do it manually. Um, sure. But I'm an old dude who highlights, you know, you would love it. I literally oh. print it out, and I highlight it, <laughs> color code it, so I could, yeah. And I use the same colors every month because oh. it's just weird. I just, I can't, you know, it's like I drive the same way to get to my warehouse every single day. Every stop sign, I wait the same amount of time. I, you know, just that's the way I am. But it, it's, it's consistent, and I think that was one of the key things you said. Okay, so. Um, to find out about this course, it's called AMZ Accounting Simplified. Um, but it really, the place to go is uh, uh, Accounting We Will Go. That's the place okay. you want to go join. It's free, 100% free. You can ask them questions, poke around, lurk, watch, sure. pay attention, and hopefully you're going to see somebody else you know in that group. I'm in that group. Ask me. Yeah, we have almost 10,000 members now. Can you believe that? That's crazy. You, I know. You guys are good. But you know what? Consistently. So 
<laughs> you're consistent. That's what it is. Thank but you go in there and safely look around and probably answer some of the questions that have been burning that you just don't know where to ask. That's the mm -hmm. place to go. It's 100% free. If that you connect with that and you are looking to get to that next level and you just don't know how to start, this is the place to start again. It's, what you say, nine modules? It's nine modules literally from turn on the computer. That's step one. Everyone can do that and build from there. And build from there. AMZ Accounting Simplified. But again, that, you can find the link in her group, um, her link in her group. And that's a place you can ask questions. Um, is there trial or is there anything that they get to peek at where they can actually look a little bit to see a, a little bit in there? Well, what we're doing is we're having multiple emails that outline the nine, the nine oh, there units. You go. There's over, over 50 videos and bits and pieces, and um, as long as you request a refund by February 11th, we're happy to refund you. You know, sometimes people don't know what they don't know, and they get in and think, oh, my gosh, this is too much. I just need to pay someone to do it or make another choice, and I'm not about trapping people. So. And that makes sense, though. Sometimes it does make sense to pay somebody else. This, is your, this isn't your lane. You look in there, and you're like, oh, my God, this looks like uh, Picasso. Right. right. It, makes, it makes as much sense as a Picasso painting. So guess mm -hmm. what? That might make sense that you do hire somebody else and mm -hmm. then you don't have that. Okay. I, I, I appreciate it because, again, I think your heart's in the right place. You're trying to teach people. You're trying to help them get stronger in their business. But to be honest with you, here's the mistake a lot of companies ask the Enron guys. Um, they have other people do their stuff and then they think that moves the accountability to them. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh. When, they, when the IRS comes looking at your door, they're not looking for them, although they could be in trouble. But you're guilty, right? And so Absolutely. you're responsible to know your numbers. And again, your business is only as valuable as that. So really, really important. I agree. Okay. So one more thing, because you're not busy enough, um, <laughs> you uh, are getting ready to launch a podcast, which I'm very, yeah. very excited about. The Amazon Accounting Podcast. What's your goal of... Uh, creating a podcast. You're on my show so darn often. I mean, you know, hey, why why your own podcast? Why, why do you want to get out there and talk to people? Oh my gosh, because it's fun and I like demystifying accounting and making people realize if I just have the proper guidance, I can do this. I want to answer all of the commonly struggled with topics and I want to get it out there and just be another way to reach people. Um, I'm very excited about it. I'm excited too, because I think the other thing that happens is the world will change next year, just like it changed in 2018. And you can get a chance to talk about it while it's current, while people are buzzing, because there's always a panic. Anytime there's a change, I don't care what happens. Hey, they stop putting big T's on that page. They're all small T's. I think that's a subtle hint that they're going to do. You know what I mean? That's what happens. Right. And so when you start saying, no, wait a second, you know, fees are going up, but, or they, they eliminated six month storage fees. How does that affect your books? What about my inventory value? What about blah, 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 blah. You can start parsing those, breaking them down. And people just, when they ask the question, when it's current, they can, you know, it makes a lot more sense. And so that yeah. I think is going to be the biggest benefit to those of us who, uh, listen and follow you so much uh, because you're going to be able to help demystify. I like that term, demystify some of that stuff and break it down for us. I agree. I'm very, very excited about it. And there's so many frustrations people have and hearing about it versus reading about it. I'm hoping to reach other people in a different manner. Well, new sellers coming in who ask the silly questions, hopefully that this will give them again, a, a, a place to hear some of the answers that they're afraid to ask. Mm -hmm. And then you can lead them into accounting. We will go. And so they can get in the safe space where they're not 
you know, again, your counsel is always, look, talk to your tax professional. But when you go in with the right question, because if you don't give them enough information, you're going to get an answer. That doesn't mean it's the right answer. So when you're informed and then you go in and, and you, you know, can have a real discussion, that's when growth, what do you say? That's when growth happens. Exactly. It's a, it's in that moment. And also, you know, it'll save a little bit on your bill if you're a little bit more prepared to ask a focused question. Yeah, they, they do bill by the hour, even though there's a, sometimes a flat charge, not when you're in business. It is a hourly billing. Mm-hmm. And so the number of hours they're going to take, they're going to mark it up way too much and you can negotiate yeah. that. However, um, you're still, like you said, if you bring in a good, if you bring in this shoebox, right? Remember those old images <laughs> where people brought yeah. in a shoebox. Here you go. There you go, oh. Anna. There, have a good time. Let me know when you're done. Um, that's going to be expensive. But if you bring in a, a my opinion, uh, again, I don't even bring it into them anymore. I just share uh, mm-hmm. with QuickBooks now and t- ready to go. And then they just take care. Oh, it's it's done it's, and done. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Love and it. and we do get a real return and you have to go sit and listen to them talk you through. But mm-hmm. that's the place when you have those conversations because uh, you prepared it well they then took it to the next level and then you can sit back and say, okay, where do you see opportunities? That's a totally different conversation than, hey, you didn't pay enough in estimates or whatever. You know what I mean? That's right. it, it, the conversation so much more enjoyable. Exactly. Okay. So, okay. Sorry. That's it. And it's also more valuable too. Oh it's yeah. Of everyone's time. Okay. So we mentioned a couple of different things. So first off accounting, we will go free group. Please go join. Let's make it a hundred thousand. Um, AMZ Accounting Simplified is the QuickBooks course, which, again, is what we use uh, here in our business is QuickBooks because it's the standard. And, again, we went to the cloud model, and I am thrilled to death that mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about having my computer stolen out of my warehouse, broken, hard drive fail. I don't do backups as often as I should like everybody else because we're mm-hmm. busy. And mm-hmm. that, that took it away. And it's so inexpensive. I mean, it's pennies, and uh, it's just really uh, made it really Agree. Okay. Any advice to close out this episode um, to really inspire people for 2019? Oh, gosh. Please make this year the year you commit to having a regular accounting routine. You may not know what that is right now, and that's okay, but please commit to doing it. Don't spend more time worrying about it than just taking care of the problem. Sage advice from our <laughs> leader, Anna Hill. Man, I, I, I always look forward to this discussion. Thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Thank you for having me. I loved it as always. I appreciate your time. How cool is that? She's so cool. I mean, it's just so so neat to hear somebody who's so enthusiastic and so honest and open about what she does. And again, remember, you don't need to buy this course, okay? But you might want to buy this course if it makes sense for you. Okay, but if it doesn't, just do the PayPal version like my son, or just do your checkbook, whatever it is, just get a separate business account and start measuring and monitoring. Use Excel if that's where you need to start. Get on that, whatever it takes. Um, And then if you want to go to the next level, um, like she said, there are lots of other options out there, but it does seem like this one just seems like the easiest one, the most consistent one. And and this is the one where you only want to, how, how sexy is that? Only putting a couple hours a month in to get a good set of financial statements all year long right? That sounds awesome. So ecommercemomentum.com is how you find me. Um, accounting, will, accounting We Will Go is Anna and Allison's group out on uh, Facebook. Um, 
amzaccountingsimplified.com is a website where you can go and put in your email and you can get some stuff for free. Um, And then get ready for Anna's Amazon Accounting Podcast. I'm going to be a little part of it, and I'm very excited about that. Amazon Accounting Podcast coming soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.